Welcome to our second Mind Over Natter podcast. Joining us today are two clinicians from our CAM service. So a big welcome to Nikki Mountford and Jay Eels. Thank you for joining us today. Do you want to introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about what you do? So my name is Nikki Mountford. I'm Sandwell CAMS service manager. So that covers all of um, core CAMS where the referrals come in and then the work that we do with the um, young people. I'm also a parent to a 14-year-old lad um, who's got ADHD and we live with my partner and his older teenager who is 19. Hi, I'm Jay, Jay Eels. I'm the service manager and clinical lead for the CAMS crisis team and that's, that covers um, Sandwell and Wolverhampton. Um, I am a mum as well. I have three, we have three children. Um, and live with my husband in the East Midlands. What we want to discuss today is about how we can support parents um, to support their children's mental health. So obviously during this time is obviously really, really important. Um, so firstly, how have you two both been coping with these strange times? So, well, as a manager, I think it's the first time in sort of 20 years that sort of um, in, in CAM services that we've really seen such one single kind of event have such a massive impact on young people's mental health. Um, and obviously as a manager, having to support staff and also having to cope with the influx of referrals has definitely been challenging, but there's also been some positives that have come out of it. We have been able to you know, find different ways of working, um, which wouldn't have been possible in normal times, like, you know, video calls, um, more online stuff. So I think that is really, really good. As a parent, um, it's definitely been tough. I think this lockdown particularly is is harder. You know, it's, it's in the winter. We've kind of, we're, we're tired of it you know that the weather's not so good and although we feel that we're almost at the end because of the vaccines there's also kind of a long way to go and we still don't quite know where the finish is when we're going to get through it and I think that's really really hard to sort of when, when you're trying to manage your, your your kids emotional well-being as well as your own emotional well-being. Yeah I think we've done really well as an organisation and a, a CAM service to sort of adjust to the changing times. Yeah. I've really enjoyed how we've benefited from you know the additional technology to be able to work from home. I know I've certainly appreciated that. I used to have a long commute so I'm quite grateful that that's cut down. Yeah. Um, we've got um, an adolescent child and a young adult both living at home and I've really enjoyed spending more time with them. We also chose to um, have a puppy in uh, September and uh, she's now six months old. So that's helped us all cope with lockdown, to be fair. Um, Work-wise, the team, we've had an influx of referrals and uh, it has been really busy. And obviously with uh, people having to self-isolate sometimes, we've had to overcome some difficulties. And we're trying to do our absolute utmost because we often assess young people in um, the general, in the acute hospitals, in A&E or on the wards, and we're trying to do our absolute utmost to support them and uh, try and, uh, you know, get people moved out of hospital or get them out of that environment as, as quickly as we can. So we have been busy, like Nikki's team, and uh, working hard throughout lockdown. So 
obviously as parents and as clinicians, why do you think it's important for parents to be mindful of their children's emotional well-being? I think because, you know, as, as parents, you always, you know, you have a good oversight and a good understanding of your children's physical health. You know, you can tell if they're not feeling too right, they might have a temperature or they might be a bit more subdued than normal. And you all, you know, you're, you're always mindful of that. But having a good understanding of their emotional needs is just as important. Um, and you need to be kind of in tune with them so you know, you know, if, if they're struggling a bit more some days or you know what's going to help them feel better, you know feeling good emotionally and having that resilience and being emotionally well it's it's just the basic function really isn't it so important and it's not always as easy is it because no. we can just use a thermometer to uh, assess whether a child's got a fever or not yeah. but actually there's no kind of thermometer for mental health and um you know so it is important to be vigilant and, and uh, keep lines of communication open with, open with your children so yeah. you know how they're doing and you know what their emotional temperature gauge is doing yeah. i guess now, that's a really good way to describe it an emotional temperature gauge i really like that so what might indicate that things aren't right what might indicate that they've got a high temperature so i mean several things really sort of there's kind of differences in in their mood if they're generally you know quite a, an outgoing chatty kind of child and, and they go maybe a bit quieter um, their behaviour may change, they, you know, they may have used to sort of enjoy going outside to play and, and, and now they want to sit inside or they may say that they, you know, they don't like certain things anymore when, when they did like them in the first place. Um, their sleep, that might have a have changed, they might struggle to go to sleep or they might sleep more. Um, level of activity, that might change, their appetite, they might eat less or they might eat more. Um, changes to friendship, group, friendship groups. Um, there could also be an increase in, in kind of some of the physical complaints, like, you know, oh, I've got a headache, I've got a tummy ache, I feel sick. You know, those things could all indicate that actually your child might be anxious about something. But obviously the difficulty is all of those things could also just be down to normal kind of sort of teenage development too. That, that is all part of, you know, growing up and becoming a teenager and coping with, with hormones. Um, so I guess it's about knowing, you know, when you need to take action, really. I think it's even harder at the moment, isn't it? Because yeah. often in our CAMS work, we'd be saying to parents, yes, you know, you need to kind of try and distinguish, is it is it normal adolescent behaviour? Is it normal adolescent development? Or, or is it something more worrying? But now they've got to, parents have got to be mindful about, is it, is it normal within the context of lockdown and within the context of COVID? Yeah. You know, young people who, who no longer want to go out and about or go to the shop or go out on their own or go for a walk. You know, prior to lockdown, we might have been concerned that that was, that was an indicator things weren't right. Yeah. In lockdown, you have to now balance what, what's normal worries and anxieties in keeping with the need to socially distance and to be more cautious and careful about our behavior yeah so so it has got harder for parents to spot um signs or symptoms of where things aren't kind of going well definitely and obviously there's the enforced um changes to friendship groups and uh, our, our routines and our socializing yeah and the reduced, so again you know it's really yeah. hard isn't it you get and, and the reduced level of activity because all of their clubs and groups and everything have all stopped yeah 
you know so you might have had a very active child that went to football or dance or you know computer club or something after school and and that's all stopped so they're going to be spending more time at home they're going to be spending more time in their bedroom because that's their their space and inevitably then that means they're going to be spending more time online on screens you know doing things in what we would think as isolation but they might have a whole group of friends virtually upstairs that they're connecting with so what sort of hints and tips have you got for um for parents to try and manage some of this and support their children's well-being so i think first and foremost it's really important that parents need to be good role models around good mental health so you know we all need to look after ourselves Parents need to be open and modelling that it's okay to talk about your feelings. Deve- you know, develop and, and uh, demonstrate to your children that you've got your own positive uh, coping strategies and yep. your own internal resources that you use. And I can't, I guess, kind of make that known. So you know, oh, when I'm feeling upset, this is what I do. Yeah. Or you know, oh, what helps me when I'm bored is to you know think about this. So, you know, share share some ideas with you, with your children, young people. I I def- definitely I I agree with that. The you know something that I do and that you know my son is very aware of that sort of I do regularly is is kind of I exercise every morning when I get up and and I walk my dog regularly. And if I if I don't have that time and that space, I can feel myself, you know, just getting that bit more uh, stressed about things or. You know, having that little less tolerance when it, when it comes to stuff, and um, I always try and sort of show my um, you know he's a, he's fourteen, he's a teenager, he doesn't want to come on a walk with me, but I always kind of sort of show him that this is a good thing to do and this is what helps me feel better, and if I particularly feel stressed about something um, or anxious about something or sad about something, you know, I'll, I'll kind of sort of I won't go into all the details, but you know, you'll you'll share in a way that you know. I felt sad today because, you know, I'm missing my mum or I feel sad today, you know, because I wasn't able to, you know, give my friend a hug when I know she's struggling, things like that. And just kind of being open and naming those feelings and that it's okay to have those feelings. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think there's, you know, it's really important to maintain um, good routines at home. It's um, that really helps, especially younger children. Sleep is crucial, people always say. Yeah. Sleep is the seedbed of good mental health and it's really hard to have good emotional health and well-being or mental health if you're if not you getting good sleep. the right amount of sleep. So, you know, all those really important things like trying to go to sleep at the same time every night, try to have um, an, a, a usual waking time, same time each morning. Um, and all the pre-sleep preparation that we we know about and um you know read about hear about but sometimes it's harder to enforce at home so making sure screens are turned off an hour before bed thinking about ways to unwind and and prepare your body for sleep like listening to music like reading having a bath that kind of unwind time dimming the lights putting your jammies on that kind of thing i think I think people just don't don't value it, do they, in the same way that they that they probably should. I think they don't realise how much of an impact it actually does have. You know, mm. they, 
But I, I can almost see people rolling their eyes when I kind of explain to them about, you know, the importance of good sleep and the kind of, you know, it's not rocket science, it's all of those simple things to do, but it is, it is a really hard thing to do. And if you're struggling to sleep, it has such an impact on every other area of your of your life. Sleep is the foundation for, for everything. And if you could only change one thing about your routine and, and your life of what you're doing with you and your child, concentrate on changing the sleep for, for it to be better. Most I'm... definitely. And I think as adults, we're all so aware when we've had a bad night's sleep yeah. or an interrupted night's sleep or a couple of nights on the trot. And sometimes we can forget that not only how crucial it is for children to have good sleep, but that they need more sleep than we do. Yeah. Particularly younger children, adolescents, you know, we do our growing in our sleep yeah. and um, you know, our body does its repair as well. So um, sleep is just crucial. It can't be understated really. And even if you haven't got to get up the next morning, you know, having constant late nights is just not a good thing. There's, even if you haven't got to get up for work or school or whatever, still going to bed at that regular time is, is just Because it's vital. really easy to get out of sync with your sleep, mm -hmm. isn't it? And once it's gone, it, it, okay. it, it takes a lot of work to get it back on track. Definitely. So, yeah, maintaining good routines is, is, is really important. Fab, so if um, there are parents out there that are struggling to get their children to, to go to sleep, is there any sort of quick wins or really like useful tips you can give um, to try and help get children to sleep a bit better? I would say for the younger age group, I would say there's not like a, a, a quick win as such. You know, you're not suddenly going to change sleep, you know, literally overnight. It's the consistency. It's about kind of agreeing that routine with them and it's, that it's the consistency so so doing that every night whether you agree that you know that the child has a bath a story you know watches telly whatever it may be has a snack a bowl of cereal whatever the routine may be that you've you've decided with your child and, and whatever the times it's the consistency of then implementing that and not in a punitive way in in a kind of a supportive way and showing that child that this is going to help you know and you might want to you know obviously if they're younger children you might want to have a bath and put your pajamas on with that with that child you know snuggle up in bed with them read them a story you know have soft soft lights things like that and it's the consistency that will work for older children it's it's harder um because obviously you know you you can't plonk them in the bath and you can't put them in their bedroom you know they're they're older for teenagers Again, I think it's about, you know, modelling that good behaviour so they don't hear or see you being up all night. You know, you have a decent bedtime routine so they can see. And, you know, you having that expectation of them, agreeing with them, what time is reasonable to turn off their screens? What time is reasonable for them to have a bath or a shower, whatever it is they want? What time is reasonable to, you know, put their pyjamas on? And I think if the whole house... Is, is, is doing it, they are more likely to, to follow suit. And once they've got into that routine, they will see the benefits. Even if they don't link them straight away, they, they will feel the benefits. And again, it's the consistency. It's so, you know, if over on a Friday night, they want an extra late night because it's Saturday the next day, that's fine, you know, once in a while, but still trying to get them up the next morning and, and having some kind of positive activity. I hate to be unpopular, think about phones. Yeah. Now, we're not going to dictate to everybody and say, oh, phones should be left on. 
you know, downstairs in the hall or whatever. It's up to the individual parents to decide with their, what's best for their child. But if they recognise that sleep is an issue, then please do consider whether phones in the bedroom is a good thing or not yeah. and what an impact that might be having on your child's sleep. If they've got notifications coming in, if they're really tempted to always look at their WhatsApp or, you know, Constantly their messages from friends, then, you know, think about how that is battling with their desire to get off to sleep yeah. and how it's interfering with their, with their sleep. Mm -hmm. So do... Do bear that in mind. And in the daytime, making sure that they do spend some time outside. You know, that the, the, the hormone melatonin needs to be, you know, stimulated and made, and that's only made by going outside and, and have you know, experiencing daylight, sunshine. I know it's difficult in these in these times. So, you know, trying to get them active during the day, trying to have, you know, get them to spend some time outside doing doing whatever, going for a walk or ride on their bikes, even if it's just sitting in the garden, listening to their music or on the phone, the fact that they're outside is still going to be beneficial for their, for their sleep. And something relaxing and to help them unwind will also increase, reduce their cortisol, the stress yep. hormone and increase their melatonin. So there's lots of sleep apps around. There's lots of um, things you can access in terms of rain sounds or soothing music or... Um, you know whatever whatever you you like or your child likes um, so think about those types of things that you can get online to uh, help them unwind and get and, ready for bed and choose a few of them with them and then stick to it that's the thing and see you know has will this work over you know for do it for like two three weeks is there any improvement you know and if and if listening to to rain or whale music isn't your thing you know reading a book would that work better and just changing a, a few bits because what's going to work for one person isn't what is doesn't work for everybody and that that's the the tricky thing i think okay thank you i think those are really helpful um and what what we might try and do is get a couple of examples of those apps and make them available on the website for people if they want to go and find them so we'll we'll try and get that sorted so I guess um, one, of, one of the things that I'm struggling with at the minute is obviously if I'm at home and I'm working and I'm busy, I've got a daughter, she's sick, she's at home. I worry that she's sat there feeling ignored and feeling lonely. So how, how can you manage that and how can you sort of make, make time when you're so busy? It can be a challenge, can't it? I mean, it is, you know, especially with parents working from home a lot, then home is no longer sacrosanct and, and kind of work has, has moved in. Um, so I think it's important to plan and to make sure that you're as available as you can be. And But also if you can't be available there and then, then you say, okay, why don't we do this later? Why don't we go for a walk or a trip to the park? Why don't we, you know, sometimes I call it a cup of tea time. Why don't we have sit and have a cup of tea at the end of the day? depending on the age of the child, of course. Um, but, you know, and just just time and space, just the two of you yeah. to sort of chat and see how the day's gone, and what's, what's been good, what's been not so good, yeah. what's, um, you know. And it's during those times that if you are properly present during those times and properly listening to your child and not looking at your phone or watching the news or having a conversation with the other parent or another child at that time or whatever if you're properly present at that time even if it is only for 15 minutes 20 minutes half an hour whatever it is 
you'll find that your child is much more likely then to accept when during the day and you've got a billion emails or meetings and everything to, to sort out and they're like, mom, I want this. And you're like, four o'clock, we'll look at that. Once they know that that is actually at four o'clock, that's their time, you're going to be 100% present and for them, they'll be able to accept that better and, and they'll know and they'll have confidence then and they know that they can then rely on you. Um, and all of that, I think, helps for when they have to, you know, children, it's okay for a child to be bored. And it's know. okay for them to wait sometimes yeah. as well. So, you know, you can't be Superman and be there all the time, but you can give them, you know, understand and help them to understand that, you know, sometimes things have to wait till a bit later. Yeah, definitely. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's good learning for them. Not They can't have everything straight away. Um, when a child is, is distressed, you know, and, and feeling anxious or, or feeling sad about things, again, you know, attend to their immediate need and then sort of, you know, explain to them what they can do to, to kind of help themselves, you know, but it's okay that they, you know, that they cry and that they feel distressed and they know they can come through it. Trying to stop it or avoid that from happening isn't going to be helpful in, in the long run. Because it's really important they develop their own resources yeah. and that, that children are allowed to feel feelings. Feel, yeah. There's nothing wrong with feelings. Feelings yeah. are okay. If, if an upsetting um, situation has happened... It's okay to be upset. Yeah. If and something has happened to make you feel angry, it's okay to be angry. Absolutely. So you've mentioned um, sort of internal resources a couple of times now. So what do you mean by that? What, what are those resources that you refer to? I think it's about, you know, building children's own resilience and, and knowing that they've got the skills inside them. So, you know, if something makes them anxious or, you know, stressed about it and, and they cry. So, for instance, a task at school... You know, they, they see a task and they think, oh, I can't possibly do that. And they become very overwhelmed and, and they cry or they, they need your help to do it. You know, that's okay. You don't fix it for them. You know, have a look at it, support them. Why, you know, I wonder what it is that, that made them sort of feel like that. And then what can they do then to sort of help them go back to it and, and have another look? So, you know, they can learn then that actually they might need to go outside for five minutes. They might need to go and have a drink. They might need to go and put some cold water on their face. Um, you know, any sort of practical kind of um, thing that's going to, you know, sometimes they're called grounding techniques that's going to sort of um, ground them and, and stop them from becoming so overwhelmed and allow them to, to focus again. Some children like to, you know, smell different things to kind of help calm them down. It's, it's very it's up to the individual child really and it's about again it, it's the child learning what works for them and then they will know that they you know you can't avoid a situation that all of the time that makes you feel anxious but they will feel confident that they can cope with it and it might be at the moment it might just be a little homework task or it might be the fact that they fell out with a friend on xbox or or something like that but actually when they're older if they're used to managing their own feelings and their own emotions and building up the resilience and the coping skills, when they get older, they, they're more likely to be able to cope with like a boyfriend or a girlfriend dumping them or, you know, a, a bereavement of a grandparent or, you know, of, of a pet or, or something a bit more serious that, that happens. If they get to learn how to manage the little things now, they'll be able to learn how to do the bigger things later in life.
Does that, does that make sense? Absolutely, absolutely, agree. And I think as a parent, you've got to sit with those uncomfortable feelings because obviously as a parent, you want to fix things for a child and you don't want to see your child distressed, but you've got to sit with them and not let them spill over in order to be able to support your, your child. So they, So even though inside you might be thinking, oh my God, that makes me feel so upset. I don't want my child to feel like that. You know, you've got to take a deep breath and know that actually they're having a good learning experience. And that's not to say that you don't comfort them. No, not at all. you don't... Um, Put your that, arm around That them. you're not there for them yeah. and supportive and uh, empathic. It, it, it's just saying it is okay for them to work that out and for them to experience yeah. it and to learn some techniques how to calm, how to self-soothe, how to manage those sort of really tricky thoughts and feelings. Yeah. And that it is okay to do that and to yeah. go through that process. And that you're not automatically kind of running around feeling anxious and stressed yourself that your child can see, trying to put solutions in front of your child that was going to try and solve, solve the issue. Because sometimes there, you, you don't have to fix everything. No. But you can say, it's okay and I hear you and I understand you're upset and take you know what would it be helpful to take some deep breaths you know it, it's okay to be alongside them yeah. gently supporting them and and showing that you care and that you know you're interested and uh, you, you but as nikki said not dash in there and try and fix it and take it all away because actually we can't do that we can't we can't just take feelings away from our our, our children and make it all all okay I think sometimes as parents like you you almost put yourself under pressure to do that don't you like you say you don't want to see them upset you want to try and fix whatever's going on at school that is making them come home and not be happy but I think that that's really useful quote you don't have to fix everything um so that's really really helpful so what kind of stuff can can we do to encourage our children what sort of positive things can we do to encourage them to like, talk about how they're feeling? I think often with kids, and I know definitely with, with my son, because he's not, you know, he's, he's not a talker. He's a 14-year-old boy who, who, you know, doesn't really want to talk to me. But if we're doing another activity together, whether it's, you know, something outside, um, playing a board game, um, you know, I have been known to do Mario Kart before on the, the Switch, something like that, he's more likely to chat then when the focus is on something else. And I think... You know, that can work with any age. There's lots of different activities that you can do with, the, with young people together that actually, while, while you're focusing on the, you know, baking or, or walking or whatever it may be, you can just have those kind of conversation, those thoughts, just, you know, the thinking out loud. It encourages your child to kind of open up then and not be so... An, Inward, I, yeah. suppose, I guess, you know, and... Yeah, just encourage them to share yeah. with you and... Uh... And they're more likely to share with you if you do those activities more often, if, if they're kind of like a regular thing and not something that's done like, you know, on a, on a special occasion or something, if it's just part of their life, because you're going to have that connection with them. And even if they don't talk, that's okay as well. You know, it's not about forcing children to, to talk. It's just enough doing the activity. So, if, yeah, and... and... And you being there yeah. and showing that you're there to listen. Yeah. Like you said earlier, that you're not distracted by your phone. Um, 
and that you are encouraging them to talk and that you're happy that they're sharing things with you yeah. or you know you you're giving them some positive com comments about the fact that they're taking that risk and uh, you know sharing something with you definitely i mean we don't really do that many long car drives now because obviously there's no, there's, well you can't really go anywhere but i used to find it really helpful to you know to to be in a journey where you're driving a car and the child is you know in the seat and then you're not looking at each other either then so sometimes as well you know having a car journey you know it, it, it's kind of a a vehicle as it were to, to kind of allow that talk and that space and that time obviously as long as they haven't got their phone in the car with them <laughs> so it's about finding things that the child enjoys and relaxes them and then they're then sort of more willing to open up and talk yeah. to you yeah definitely yeah and of course you'll know your own child it's different for every child yeah. um, you know what works for one won't work for the other no so before we started this podcast, we did ask um, if people have got some questions that they um, wanted answering. So if it's okay, um, we'll go through a couple of those. Um, feel free to throw in any of your own as well as parents. Um, so what resources are available um, for parents to help support their child's mental well-being? There's, I mean, and again, sometimes that's a minefield as well, knowing kind of who to trust. But I was always, and we can put this on, you know, the, the website, and there is on, on, on Black Country Minds website, there is um, a resource page as well that, that has them in. But national charities like Young Minds, NSPCC, NHS, BBC, they've all got reliable resources, you know, in, in which you can kind of search for things and ways to kind of help your child um there's also as well in the black country there's cooth.com which is an online counseling service um but that's not available in in all areas there's different apps there's more there? specialist ones so there's beat if you need advice or guidance around um eating disorders there's winston's wish if yeah, you need advice or support for young people that have been have experienced um, bereavement, Paprius, which is support around suicide. Uh, there's so many. I think we could. Um... There is. I mean, from a, from a, a a local point of view, I would always say, you know, for the, the the person to speak to in the first instance is the is a professional that knows your child the best. So you know, if they if they, if they go to school and they've got, you know, like a pastoral teacher or their class teacher, I would always go to them in the first instance because they're quite good at knowing kind of what's around and they will also then be able to give you, tell you whether they've noticed any changes in, the, in their child. Okay. So what do we do if we have concerns over a child? Who, who do we contact? So you've spoken about, obviously, a, a pastoral or their teacher, but if we don't really get anywhere then and we think that there, there is a couple of issues or things aren't quite right what what can we do then so i mean again the school nurse is is a really good resource to to contact um the gp but again the gp will, will just kind of probably refer you on to, to cams which may or may not be the the best way forward um but again you can phone the single point of accesses um within the trust and again we can put those phone numbers on so as a parent if you are concerned and want some help help and advice from a, a mental health professional you can phone um, us direct just to just to speak and we have a 24 7 mental health 
support line yeah. in the trust that people can use if they want to access some support for themselves or for their child or just some advice and sort of guidance. Okay. okay. Another question that's sort of linked to that is um, I'm a bit worried about making a referral um, and what it might mean for um, my, my child's future. And, you know, that does have to be you know, considered really, because there are some professions, and although I think now the stigma around mental health is, is reducing, there are some sort of practical um, implications if you get seen by CAMS and whether you get prescribed any medication for some future careers, you know, and, and that's things like, you know, if going into the army, you know, the, the options are reduced if you're on certain kinds of mental health medication, and certainly if you've got ADHD and taking medication, um, also in some careers you know employers like to check your history and while they wouldn't discriminate against um any well they shouldn't discriminate against anybody with mental health problems it might be a question then that sort of th that gets raised so there's definitely some diagnoses and definitely some medication that does rule you out of doing some of the the jobs in the armed forces and other areas but we absolutely wouldn't want that to stop people no. seeking mental health um, assessment or advice or support when it's needed. Not at all. And we wouldn't, and we would, you know, if we felt that, or if the psychiatrist within the service felt that medication was um, needed, we would be encouraging, you know, the family to have, well, we'd be having that conversation with yeah. the young person and with the family to, you know, weigh that up and, and make the right decision yeah, for definitely. them. Um, you know, we wouldn't want them to have worries about their future or their career to overly influence the decisions that are needed to support their mental health here and now kind of thing. Okay. Um, another question um, is, I've heard about using worry books with children. Mm -hmm. um, can you explain a bit more about what they are and, and how they work and what you think? Yeah, and I think with younger children, they can work really, really well. Um, with older children, Probably not, it's probably more around, they call it journaling now, don't they, rather than keeping a diary. Um, but for the younger child, um, with a worry book, it could be a worry book, worry box, it, you know, it, it could be written, it could be things that are, that are made, it could be symbols of things. It very much depends on you and your child, really, and how you want to do it. So the idea is that you have a space, and when you have a worry, you put the worry into that space. So that might be writing the worry down. It might be already the words are already chosen and you've put that word into a box. It might be a symbol of a sad face or a worried face that you've, that you've put somewhere. And then the idea is you put it in there and you don't worry about it at that point. But then later on, at a time that is good for you and, and, and your child, you take those worries out and you talk about them. So it might be they were worried about I don't know, catching a bus. So you then talk about that worry, you know, and, and explore with your child, you know, what makes them worried about catching a bus and then thinking around sort of ways in which they can kind of help themselves um, and they can reduce their worries for that particular activity. Okay, thank you. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. So that was the end um, of the questions that we'd had submitted. So don't know if you've got any further hints or tips or if you want to sum up in some way i mean i i would just it sounds really dull and really boring but i would just go back to being you know sleep 
is the most important. If you can't concentrate on anything else and can't change, if you can only change one thing, you know, and and you're having trouble sleeping, you know, concentrate on getting a good sleep pattern for you and your child and, and your whole family. That will have the biggest impact. Um, I think it's difficult in lockdown. So I think being as creative as you can be, and I guess by that I don't mean you know um doing arts and crafts i mean being as creative as you can be within the limitations so you know think about different ways that you can enjoy your time together as a family um and it, it can be anything it can be doing meaningful activities or um just just having good quality time mm -hmm. together so being as creative as you can be within the restrictions making going out for a walk as much fun as possible um yeah, oh, and know. and also sorry, just one more. Just thought, and not having high expectations of yourself, and don't feel that you've got to do, you know, everything all of the time, and everything has got to be perfect, because you'll always feel that you failed then, because nothing is ever perfect. You know, you need to be good enough, and that's okay. So I think you know. Yeah, try and try and see some of the benefits of lockdown. Yeah. I know there aren't many, but. It does mean that some of us have had increased time with our children and our families that we perhaps might have otherwise spent yeah. commuting or at work, work, you know, working away from the home. Um, our son has taken up guitar during lockdown and he's, he's taught himself to play the guitar yeah. since August. Um, you know, I've offered to uh, teach a friend how to juggle over Zoom the other week because she wanted to do something new or learn something different. So, you know, capitalise on that yeah. sort of quiet time where some of the uh, the demands of before lockdown, you know, were on you and you didn't have time. I know a lot of people did a lot of painting and decorating in their houses when in, during the first yeah. lockdown and, uh, you know, Use use the time creatively. Make the most yeah. of it. Um, and spring's just around the corner, so like gardening, getting out in the garden. You know, anything outside as well. Just just be kind to yourself. That you know, be kind to yourself and be kind to your kids, and just you know, just accept it is a tricky time for everybody. But we will get through it. There will be an end. And I suppose recognise as well that if you are feeling cooped up and all too many people together in a house all at once then again think about ways to manage that think about taking turns at you know having some quiet space in 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 the lounge say yeah. or having you know your turn to dictate what's on the tv for example i don't know um you know rotate going out for a walk and getting your exercise so that you get some some alone time if that's what you need just um, taking you back, Nikita, what you just said around um, like not putting yourself under pressure. You just need to be good enough. I think like one of the things I see sometimes is I follow a couple of people on Instagram, and I see like they do this with their kids, and they've got a routine for their kids, and this is what they've achieved in the day. And I think like I'll give Francesca breakfast. That's an achievement. I think how, and I think this is as much for parents as it is for sort of teenagers. How do you manage that? sort of ideal this is what you see on, on social media this is what i should be like how do you how do you manage that pressure don't follow them <laughs> <laughs> you know if, if you don't see it i know i know that's really easy to say but again just understand that's people's outside when you go on holiday 
and you take photographs of, of when you're on holidays, you know, you only take photographs of the good moments. You don't take photographs of the fact, you know, of the time that you're arguing because you're all stuck in the same bedroom or you're arguing because one wants to go swimming and, and one wants to go to the park or something, you know. Or you, you got only... lost on the walk and yeah. you couldn't find your way back. Yeah, or, <laughs> you know, so you don't take photographs of those. You only take photographs of the good times on holiday. And that's the same as the Instagram people. They don't take photographs of the billion, you know, takes it took and the hard work it took in order to kind of frame that perfect life. And, and they've got, a you know, a team behind them that, you know, creates that version of their reality. It's not reality. It's not every day. You know, that, that isn't what they're, they're doing. And I think sometimes it's hard to understand that. It's like, you know, you don't judge kind of, you know, your, your inside. Don't judge your inside on what other people's outside looks like, if that makes sense. And understand that it is literally, it's a, it's a snap in time. It's a photograph. It's a holiday snap. That's it. But at the end of the day, just don't follow them. And then you're not going to see it. Brilliant advice. So I think that brings us to the end of today's podcast. So thank you very much for your time both. Really appreciate it. We know that you're very busy. Um, and we will sort of pull a bit of a resource pack together with some of the things that we've discussed. Um, and we'll make that available for people to download. So once again, thank you very much. Thank you. You're very welcome.